Welcome to Miami Lee Podcast. This is Jenny, and I have a very special guest today. Welcome, Sam. Thank you, Jenny. Thanks for having me. You're, it's a pleasure. I, I love that you're here. I'm so excited. Well, so am I, and I'm looking forward to having a great conversation today. Absolutely. So let's um, dive right in. We're going to talk mainly today, a little bit about everything, but mainly about the Gables Literacy Festival. You got it. That um, it's the second year. This is actually the second year of the uh, Coral Gables Family Literacy Festival, or the yeah. Gables Family Lit Fest, as we call it. I like that. It is. It's great. Um, it, look, we are we're very excited. Last year was our inaugural year. And coming out of the pandemic, to be able to put together such a great family event um, around something that we all love, literacy, learning, books, and fun. Um, we learned a lot. We had a great time. Saw somewhere between twelve to 1,500 people. That's amazing. Um, they were all, especially during the pandemic, where we did have restrictions, masks, and we did um, social distancing. But people came out. And they were thirsty for resources um, to learn about how they could work with them, their families and getting their kids reading at grade level, but also just having fun, you know, with the book and learning about, you know, how to yeah. get more involved in stories. Um, and it's just a great afternoon out um, at a beautiful, beautiful venue. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so excited. I missed it last year. Well, so we, so we're looking that. forward to not only you being there, Jenny, but we also look forward to Miami Lit Podcast being out um, and having a great showing um, out at the War Memorial Youth Center um, and, and Coral Gables. And it's beautiful. It's We've set it up very similarly to the Miami Book Fair in that we have a street fair component um, with booths, um, with all sorts of vendors. Books and Books will be there. We have Scholastics for the kids, um, along with uh, literacy vendors who talk about some of the work they're doing in the community, like Miami Lit Podcast, um, around keeping folks involved in literature and literacy. Um, and also, one of the other things I was proud of is we have a lot of youth that are out there addressing these issues for themselves, because part of the reason we put together this festival was that our school partners came to us and gave us some pretty alarming statistics that over half of our kids aren't reading at grade level by third grade. And we know that if they're not reading at grade level by third grade, yeah. they essentially become it's statistics. It's such a crucial age to, is, to see those numbers start dipping. It's it's it is very concerning. Devastating. Yeah. Devastating, especially for a community like Coral Gables, which is a little more affluent community. We can afford to send our kids to any educational institutions right. get and get tutors. them the resources and tutors they need. So to think that even our schools, because yeah. folks say this to me all the time, well, Sam, that's that's the public schools, but our kids go to private school. What we're looking at, not just here in the Gables, but in Florida and nationally and internationally, is that kids at every level are not reading where they should be. Right. And um, where we have the uh, all the mechanisms and resources and wherewithal to do it, we should. And that's what we came through as a city and said, wow, if half our kids aren't reading at grade level, that's a priority, not just for the individual family. That's a priority for our municipality in that um, we know that 
if we don't have great schools, then the property values go down in our home. So there's a lot of incentives right. for making sure that our kids are successful. Not the least of which is that, yes, our kids deserve to have future success and to not be able to do that simply because we didn't get them the resources they needed to be literate would be unfair. For sure. But it, it is true that the more we point out how all these players should be involved because it is so beneficial, the better. Definitely. Look, um, everybody benefits from our kids reading and yeah. doing better in school. And what we found was as a municipality, well, how do we do that in a way that we can do what we do best, which is take care of our residents and our community um, with services and programming, but not try to do things we're not good at. We're not teachers. <laughs> we're not literacy experts. So we thought, well, why not have an event where we can bring our, because we're really good at events. Um, our community recreation department is second to none. And why don't we have an event that's geared around literacy and around the book that's fun that brings out everybody where the family doesn't even realize they're yeah. learning while having so much fun. And we know the Miami International Book Fair is one of the most popular events um, in our community. And so we really followed their model and said, let's, let's build a street fair. Let's bring out the people who do the best work in this area, provide our families with programming, resources, um, and just people partners they can uh, work with to make themselves and their families better. And by virtue of that, it makes all of our community better. As our old superintendent would say, you know, rising tides float all boats. Yes. And so we get these kids better. It helps us at home, helps the business community do better because they have new workers, more competent workers coming in. Um, and everybody thrives. And doing this on one Saturday you know, afternoon in a fun and engaging way where people, again, are, are just having a good time, and don't even realize they're learning. I think uh, that's the best of all worlds. Absolutely. And I love that you guys really focus on the family component. It's not a kid event where you go and you drop your kid off and come back two hours later. It's a family affair. And Definitely. Well, and it's in the name of the event. Um, and we were very, we wanted to be obvious about this. We know that family literacy is very important. Um, we talk about the child not being at grade level, but it really affects the entire family. And we know learning starts at home. Yeah. The very first teachers are those parents. Even before that child comes out into the world, you can start reading to them in the wound, yeah. um, building those habits that eventually those kids take into the classroom, learn how to strengthen them, and then take out into the real world and build success for their future. So no, we, we wanted to make sure that the family was at the center of this event. The other thing we know is that the kids drive the adults to go to the <laughs> event. Hey, we gotta go to the fair. We have to get to that book fair. But once that parent gets to that book fair, we want them to feel like, wait a minute, we're lifelong learners. As I tell my daughter, I'm a lifelong learner. And so I want to get there and I hope there's something there for me that I can enjoy and learn yeah. from also. Not just how, only how to make my daughter better, right. but how to make myself better. Um, one of the things I've, I learned recently last year is that the young adult book category is one of the most popular it's categories so fun, isn't it? of all. 
And it's not kids. People think it's kids buying all these books. No, no it's us. It's adults <laughs> um, that are buying all these young adult books and, the, and that they're so popular and engaging. That's the kind of event we wanted to build. Because when your child sees you that excited about books and yeah. about reading, they take it on also. Um, and then when they see you getting success and happiness out of that, they know that they're going to get success and happiness in right. their future. And to create that memory, right? Like bonding over this book that you found at the fair or you met this author. It's, that's There's nothing amazing. Like it. There's, There's yeah. nothing like it. I'll tell you, we, my wife and daughter and I, every summer, take a road trip up to Beach Mountain, North Carolina. And this summer, we did a book on tape, um, an audio book. And we did Jane Goodall's Book of Hope. By the way, <sighs> by the way, one. let me say right now, anyone who's listening, if you want to find a book in this time that we've gone through that will help build your spirits, and in the times we're going through, because it's very difficult times right now, um, I recommend Jane Goodall's Book of Hope, and I recommend you getting the audio book, because Jane... Um, not just narrates the book, but gives you personal stories behind oh, how wow. the book came together. I did not know that. Um, and, uh, and I believe she even has a podcast now where you can even see her live. It, is, it was one of the best experiences of our family life. My daughter's reading the book now because um, oh. uh, she has to do mandatory reading for, for school. But... It was wonderful to be able to experience that together. Yeah. That um, uh, and you just you have to pick it up. James yeah. Goodall's Book of Hope. Um, but that was that was a wonderful thing for us to be able to ha to have those memories together and to point back to that story when times are tough. Hey, you remember the part where she was telling us this story? Um, and and my daughter got to see that she enjoyed something at the level adults level because that's a big thing for kids is that oh wow I, I got to read an adult level book yeah. and I'm on par with my parents just as smart right. as they are because sometimes they that separation feels so vast for them definitely right? and like, can be intimidating we're so different and we're just so <clears throat> on the other side and we don't understand well and very intimidating because yeah. you know the, there's nothing actually I remember this from being a teacher there's nothing better for a child, and, and you, you, you never see a more expressive uh, uh, expression on their face than when the light bulb goes off and they get it, and when you say, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. You just taught me something new. Yeah. Every time I tell my daughter, they almost look shocked, like, mm -hmm. whoa, you, as an adult, you didn't know that? Right. I thought you all knew everything. Or and I don't know. Exactly. I don't Which know. I'm never afraid as out. a teacher saying, I don't know. Yeah. Let's find out together. Yeah. And again, you see that that child's eyes light up of, wow, I'm teaching the teacher. That's how we build future leaders. For me, that um I I that's how I see building future leaders is giving them that confidence that says, Yes, I, I know I'm gonna be successful because I've got all the tools. Exactly. Yeah. And you brought up your experience as a teacher. Can we talk about that a little sure, more? Sure, sure, sure. What was um, that like? I, actually, the best, I guess, 
my daughter will tell you I never stopped being a teacher because she actually she just just telling me the other day, you know, you probably would be a good history teacher in one of our schools. I don't know if you thought about it. <laughs> well, thank you, honey. You're like, been there, done know, that. <laughs> don't know. Don't know about public school teaching. Um, but no, I, I started out teaching actually, uh, I guess, really uh, with my siblings. Uh, we were latchkey kids. And so being the oldest... I had to take care of my little brothers and sisters. How and so many? Um, I have actually two brothers and th- and four, actually three sisters. Three, three sisters si- and one younger sister. And so I, it was uh, so my fun. responsibility to take care of them. And so we had to, you had to look for fun and exciting ways to get them to do what you tell them to do. Because it wasn't yeah. enough to just say, do this. Um, you learned that pretty um, quickly, that doesn't work. That may work for the parents, but it doesn't work for the older sibling. Um, but more formally, when I started work at the Historical Museum of Southern Florida, which is now History Miami Museum, and I took a, it was a $5 an hour job. I was waiting on my med school notifications. And I thought, you were well, going to med school? I was, that was going to be my career. I wanted for to what? be a, I wanted to be a surgeon. Uh, all my life, my, my, my mom was so looking forward to it. Um, and I took this job, $5 an hour, and they said teachers wanted, because I knew I couldn't, I didn't want to teach in public schools. I'd done some substitute teaching and didn't feel comfortable in that arena. And so I took it. I said, I'll go in. I knew with the first day I sat with kids, and that was about a week into the job, I knew my life had changed forever. When you have, and you probably know this, um, having done some teaching yourself, when you have 35 little sets of eyes looking directly at you, um, ev- hanging on every word that you say, um, and then you hear them in the line on the way back after the, to the bus talking to the teacher, this is so cool. Did you see that guy? What a teacher. He was so awesome. And you're, uh-huh. you're more awesome than their classroom teacher who they've been with for over a year. Yeah. <laughs> He's so amazing, and it annoys the classroom teachers because they're like, "Of course, I, he's he amazing. does a little dog and pony show, and they love him." I'm in the class every day, and they, but it was amazing. And then the thing that threw it over the top for me is I'm standing at the grocery store a month into the job, and I hear whispering, "That's him. That's the guy. That's the guy." And the woman is, and I hear the mom. Oh, she taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around, and she says, "I'm so sorry." Um, but my, my daughter seems to think that she knows you, um, (laughs) from, from a trip and she starts to recite from a trip to this history museum and the daughter jumps in and yeah, you're the Henry Flagler guy. You told us how Julia Tuttle brought Henry Flagler in the train. Otherwise Miami recited everything that I told her that day, word for word history with dates. If this was a fourth grader and the mom is like. She's been like this ever since the field trip. It's like she talks about that place you all the time. That. She's like, wow. we have all she's been talking about is we have to go to this museum to learn about Miami, and you, we have to talk to this guy. That's him. I was done. I was toast. You I were knew hooked. that I was done um, because there's nothing else that you can do yeah. that will give you that immediate gratification, and that's what. I'll, all I wanted to do was to have an immediate effect on people's lives. And I thought as a surgeon, if I cut you open and I fix you, it can't get more immediate than that. 
she taught me different, a fourth grader. Um, and now I had to figure out for months and months how to tell my Haitian mother Oof. that, You're yeah, I was not going to be a surgeon. It actually took a year and a half. Um, and she never understood it. Never Aww. did. And look, and I, God bless her soul. She said to me, Sam, just get the paper. You don't ever have to do it. Yeah. But just get the paper and get through it. And as I told her, I, I found my calling. Like my father, who was, you know, was a preacher. I found my calling. I, I found what I needed to do. Um, but no, it was, it, it changed my life. It, it probably, it definitely led to starting this festival. Yeah. Because for me, life is, and I am, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, I'm always, I learn something new as I tell my daughter every day, if I'm lucky. Um, and then I'm trying to fill the gaps for the folks Because I remember being those kids, mm -hmm. that kid in the back of the room who had potential but was never really engaged um, and just needed to find that thing that would grab them, that would make them the self-learner they need to be to succeed in our school system. And so, yeah, I'm sure it led me to coming up with this literacy festival because I use some of the same principles I used in museum teaching. Excite the kid. Right. Get them to a place where they're so passionate they want to learn more mm -hmm. and then they want to become the teacher and right. start teaching other yeah. people i i right whenever we had like the newer teachers come in and we had to like you know encourage them be mentors type of um mm -hmm. i always said think of a salesman you're a salesman essentially you need to get them to buy this thing that you're selling mm -hmm. and if you can do that You will have no problems. Forget like behavior management. All those things <laughs> fall into place magically. Mm -hmm. If you can get them to buy this thing, you're good. I, I, and that you know, works I love for that. me. That I works that. for me and so I, well. The only thing I would add to that, and I always tell people this, is remember the what's in it for them. Yeah. What we forget. And look, I grew up as a Haitian kid. Um, you're supposed to be seen not heard mm. you you speak when spoken to yeah. i mean we you felt like a commodity i'm not telling you my parents didn't love me they loved us it was a different generation exactly in a different yeah. way of showing that especially coming to a new country where right. there were all sorts and of respect. different yeah you know, i know my mom had that look Yeah, <laughs> there's a look and now I do it to my kids I and they're like why are you looking at me like that what's wrong with you yeah because they don't get it we, <laughs> we don't have any forcefulness behind it <laughs> no but I, I tell people remember the what's in it for them because that that was what was always going through my mind was when I was in school I told I tell kids all the time whenever I speak to kids when I got to fourth grade unfortunately I was too smart for my own good Because I figured out by fourth grade that, wait a minute, everything we really need to learn, we could learn in less than 12 years. For but sure. But they need to stretch this out because we need adults working. We need an economy. We need, this is. And so for me, it was always about what's going to pull me back in and make me want to be here again. Mm -hmm. That it's not just dropping me off for babysitting. Exactly. Um, and so thank goodness we've, we've come a little better um at this and you, we have as we were talking about magnet programs and trying to gear kids specifically to either um different um uh, talents or traits that they have but 
don't ever forget the what's in it for them. Because if they don't, if if they don't have something that they feel they're getting out of it right. or are going to grab from it, um, no. And just learning it for learning's sake is not enough. That doesn't work. No. They'll forget five minutes us. after no. they walk out of your door. Yeah, that's and rote that's memorization. Exactly. That is not what you want. No. Yeah. Um, and and the other thing I learned was keep it keep it engaged. As you said, the salesman keeps you engaged. Yeah. That means if I've got to keep it hands on, get right. you touching the product, feeling the product, experiencing the product. Yeah. Especially once you get to a certain grade, like mm-hmm. in high, the world where I was in in high school, they've been through school for eight years. They're like. Here I we know go. how to take notes. One I, more year yeah. of this nonsense. Mm-hmm. So now you're a used car salesman. Mm-hmm. You gotta <laughs> get them to want this thing that they already they've seen, it's, and they're like, "This is crap. <laughs> Sorry, this is nonsense. Yeah. I'm not really interested." No, you know, but it's very true. Well, and that's why for me, if you don't have the voice of the consumer yeah. as part of the change to the pro- then you're not. Um, I, I like that our school system at least has a student advisor on the school board yes. that will keep the school board kind of grounded to here's what students really need in order for us to want to stick around and to succeed. Um, and he- here's the kind of programming. Here's the kind of engagement. And that's what we've tried to also build into the festival um, is that we want kids at every level, lifelong learners like me, all the way down to our pre-K to get involved. So if you're a high schooler and you think, oh, literacy, I'm a, I'm reading above grade level, come out. Yeah. Come and mentor some youth. We need volunteers. Come earn, earn your community service hours um, with us. If you're doing something great to help your greater community around literacy, and we're very broad in our definition of literacy. It's not just about um, around reading. If you're doing something that's great, that's helping your community, um, we want to put you out there and let folks know, even our young people, yes, are looking at these problems and saying, not woe is me, here I am to take care of it and to do better. Um, If you're an adult out there and, and, and you just love reading, you have a great book collection, and you want to donate because the other part of this is to really look at providing the resources for other communities who aren't as fortunate as us. We are going to be taking in book donations. Um, everyone who comes to the event will get a free book. Um, please bring a book with you uh, to donate. And then all of the remaining books we're going to donate to our local school libraries, which are in desperate need, our public school libraries. And then the remainder will go to our needy communities through the Children's Trust. So we're really, at, the event really tries to build on all of the kind of uh, our city's morals and the way we feel um, we should be living in the world. That, look, at the end of the day, this is a problem that's common to everyone. And as we say, we don't proprietary, none of the stuff we do is proprietary. If we can share information, resources, we'd love to do it. Um, let me put out, the email for our community uh, recreation department and to learn more about this um the festival if you want to get information it's special events at coralgables.com anything you want to know about the gables literacy fest any resources around literacy um or what our other literacy efforts are throughout the year please send us an email we'd be happy 
um, to send you more information. And we'll have it linked also so they can just click it in and have an easy way of getting to in touch love with technology. you guys. I yeah. love technology. It's um it definitely has its its pluses it in this case. It Today does. it definitely has its plus. It does. So uh to discuss a little bit more about the literacy numbers going down. I know this is a huge question. Maybe we can break it down. You can help <laughs> us figure it out. What do you think is the biggest issue with these numbers going down? <clears throat> well, and I look, I've seen it from personal experience, again, having a 12 year old. Um, and, and actually, it goes into the story of how this festival was born. Uh, my daughter, it, from pre K to fourth grade, was doing super. Um, I, I, as a proud parent, you know, you've, I'm a little biased, but yes, I thought she was doing amazing. Um, and for us, the thing that there were two things that were really stood out for us. One was she loved to read almost from, again, from the day she was born, because we, uh, um, we read to her um, even as an infant. She just loved books. And at, growing up, she would consume books like food, like candy, literally. Um, and at one point, I remember by second grade, we're like, wow, we don't have any more space for books. We have to start doing some digital books yeah. and other things because we don't, we don't have any more place to put books. Um, and, and then when we put her in public school, they uh, started doing iReady and also um, started doing um, AR, mm -hmm. um, Accelerated Reader. And this made reading more of a competition. And at first, it was good in that for a voracious reader like her, she was succeeding really well, getting lots and lots of points. And so it, it built a little more incentive in there for her. Yeah. And we started noticing right around that time that that's when she wasn't reading for reading's sake anymore because she wouldn't remember most of the stories anymore right. she would try to she would try to uh get through a book she wouldn't even finish it because she would know the ending to -do list whatever yeah. gets you through the questions and got you the points and so we we were a little concerned but we thought oh, it'll be fine she's got that base in reading she should be just fine um and all of her scores were showing she was in gifted and doing well third grade She'd um, principals on a roll throughout the entire year. We're going to go off to our summer trip. And uh, there's the half an hour reading every night. And she says, comes to us earnestly, you know, it's been a great year, mom and dad, little lawyer. <laughs> you know, I'd like to make a case for, you know, not having to read every night, every half hour, because I'm doing really, really good. And she and Makes the case sense. was made. Makes uh, sense. I'm like, so both of us. You make a good case. Don't worry about it. Or, you know, read if you want to, but no, you won't have. It's not mandatory every night. So we go through the summer. We're driving back home. Literally in the car, there's a panic. Oh, my God. I'm going into fourth grade. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Oh, no. And we both of us are shocked. What, what's going on, Emma? I'm just not ready. I, I, I'm not ready. I'm not going to do well. And so we were, we're both, with the, oh, well, it's the stress of the summer. And, um, but that year was very difficult. Um, yeah. And she literally, it, it almost became a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. for her. 
And I remember going into one of my um, education committees. I, I'm the ch vice chair of the education committee for the city of Coral Gables. And I remember going into one of my meetings and I was a little frustrated and tired and was talking to folks about, oh, my goodness, and Emma's having problems um, it, with, you know, reading and it's just not in the school. And everybody's like, oh, summer slide. Everyone <laughs> around the table, oh, that's summer slide. And then they continued coming. Like summer slide, I've never heard of that. What is that? There's a term for it. Exactly. There's a term people know about. It's like everything else I'm finding out about parenting. Um, and so I ask, well, what is the summer slide? Um, and our school board member comes to our meetings. Everybody knew, yes, the summer slide. There's statistics. We've known about it. Um, it's why we give reading lists in the summer. And so for it to be so, to dramatically hit our house. And I thought we're, again, we're a family. We live in a great neighborhood Go we could afford school. well she goes to one of the best schools in the country yes right. it's a public school it's a best school in country we could put her anywhere we want we could have gotten her reading resources literacy if that was what she needed but she was but so if it hit us i thought imagine yes the kids who grew up like i grew up and you know poor homes and, with no family support right so no wonder you're never going to catch up I knew my daughter was never going to have a problem. Mom and dad are never going to let you fail. Ooh, right. We're going to figure out she ways. Has the support. Has to succeed. And so, well, whatever the supports are. And then I started saying, well, if we all know about this issue, then we all should work together to figure it out because we could do it as a community. And that's when we as a group started coming together. Oh, yeah, a festival. Yeah, that could work. Let's bring out authors. Let's bring out yeah. everyone. And, and work together as a team to look at addressing a serious issue, but do it in a fun and engaging way. And it's worked. Um, and, and, and I'm proud that, you know, we've been able to get the help of people like Mitch Kaplan um, from Books and Books, who came on board. Um, this He's was over amazing. seven years ago when we started planning this. In the making. Wow. Yeah. It took That's a while. A long time. It took a while. Um, but look, no great efforts come without right. work. Um, and we wanted to get it right. We didn't want to yeah. just throw something shows. at it. It um, definitely shows. It, because this, the one thing I told everybody is, this is not a one-shot deal. We can't do one event and hope that'll take care of the problem. What we can do is build a model where we're showing our community that this is on our minds every day and we're working with you right. to um, to address it. And um, and that's why even after the festival's done, our our parks and rec department is doing things around literacy all year long with our camps and classes. Um, we work with our school district to look at days we can go in and do reading and other things to help support them, whatever as a community we can do to build success for each do other. Do you think that schools placing such an emphasis on reading in that way of like, it's a competition. It's great. So you got to get the score. You think that's detrimental? I do. Um, the uh, the only hesitation I have about it is, is again, the what's in it for them. I, I saw that it built the incentives in them to want to compete. The The problem is, is that it, it kills the joy and the love and the passion for the thing. That's what I see thing. in it too. And then it reinforces, look, you and I went through, uh, went to public schools and we know in order to succeed, you have to 
one, be a self-starter and get going. Because, look, there's 35 kids in the room there. And as much as one person can be a miracle worker, they, they can only do so much with individual care for the child. And so you have to have a level of the child being able to be resilient enough to be able to move along right. with minimal supervision. And then the second thing is rote memorization, is that we're just memorizing things that we learn from a book or a, that we're going to need to regurgitate for a test. Life doesn't work that way. Uh, I, it, and so it doesn't make for a great model for building good lifelong learners. Mm-hmm. Um, so you almost have to start from scratch building a new system in order to make it work. For the system we have, AR is about the best you're going to do right. um, to meet the accountability. But no, we're not getting the breadth um, uh, of the subject matter. And, and it's, it's really scary what yeah. students are missing out on and losing on because um, – they don't have this ability because remember we can't teach them everything now the laws even tell us that we can't teach them everything um and and we don't have the time so actually literacy was a way of getting kids the information they need to be good healthy productive citizens Mm -hmm. without having to have a class right you know to do it and so now if you take the passion out of wanting to even do that or learn that way we have a lot more illiterate people yeah. in the world now, um, which is sad. We're seeing the consequences of not having um, literate uh, kids. Because, look, in order to build good, productive members of society for democracy, they have to be literate. Yeah. You have to learn. You have to be able to learn on your own, know what's good information versus bad information. And you can't do that if you can't read. I it's it's a baffling problem because you look at our position in the world, right? Mostly everyone here has a certain standard of living. They have food on the table, they have hot water coming out of the mm-hmm. sink. It's it's okay, right? We look at other parts of the world where kids are walking walking long distances to get to school without the proper tools, without food in their tummies. And they make it and they care. And here we are with all the necessities covered and our kids can't pick up a book. It's a look. I told you my parents are came are. I'm a first generation immigrant. My parents came here from Haiti. Um, Still today in Haiti, folks are paying for education. If you have the privilege to have the money to pay for your kid to go to school, you're right. They walk miles don't have even the proper uniforms or yeah. shoes. Um, God, at least here we know we have a minimum standard in our public schools of the quality yeah. of teacher who is going to be in that room. They've been background checked. None of these things are happening in that milieu. But education is everything. Mm-hmm. That Having that money to send your kid to school is the way out of the morass that they're in. And so, there, yes, there's an appreciation. Um, and, you know, 
you have to pay for your books. So again, there's an appreciation for, I, I'm going to take care of this because I'm going to need to pass it down to my brother, my sister, right. my cousins, if they ever get a chance to go to school. Um, we could stand to have a little bit of those kinds of appreciations. Um, look, I tell people all the time, this country invented the public school system um, we still have people from all these other countries that would die to come here just mm -hmm. to put their kids in our public school systems, um, which I think do an unbelievable job at providing on a, an incredible mandate to educate all, yeah. no matter who you are, where you come from, or what your circumstance. Um, but we can, we can, we can on a little individual basis and municipalities or districts do better um and we can look at models that, that really engage kids and get them to want to succeed um we just have to we have to decide first of all that uh that's what we want mm -hmm. as a people because we're uh, we grow up to be adults who can be terribly confusing <laughs> Yeah, because <laughs> we go to public schools as kids, but then we don't support them later on as as we become adults, and so there's a lot, uh, and, and it's intestinal fortitude and will. But we know the changes we need to make to make it better. It's just finding the will and the people and the resources, putting them all together to get it done. On a on a micro level, it's happening every day. Because we got great people. We're lucky. Again, very fortunate. We have some really great people when they close those doors that take that job very seriously and look at uh, not just keeping your child safe, but building them into a better person. That's uh, You can't ask for more than that. Definitely not. I mean, our kids spend more time with their teachers than they do with us. So when... When you walk away and you know they're with someone that's really impacting them in all the right ways, that's oh, that's it's miraculous. It is, and yeah. well, and it, it shouldn't have to be as miraculous as it as it is because there's ways where we can build those people yes. and provide them the supports they need because we've had a lot of them leave the system now, especially after COVID, because um, teaching is. Uh, you have to be a very special person to be a classroom teacher. Um, and it's a shame that we're building it into a profession that where you have to be a superhero um, because it puts a lot out on good people who could be doing the work, but just they can't, they can't be a superhero because they've yeah. got, you know, they need to feed their families. They need to have a job that respects them and the way they, you know, they want to work and, it's a shame, but um, we don't. We there's we could do better. Definitely, but I think better. with the festival highlighting all of these issues and being a model on how just something like this, even though it looks simple, it's not. You all put so much work into it, but something like this, where people can just come out, have fun, get that love for reading reignited. If we could amplify that you know, uh, little by little, I think it would make such a difference. Definitely. And let me say this for, for classroom teachers, because it, that's the other reason we put this event together. Um, our school libraries, uh, the, one of the uh, first reasons 
um, for the event itself was to look at our recognizing our school libraries and recognizing our classroom teachers. Our school libraries are in desperate, desperate need because especially got with the digital age mm -hmm. and most things going digital, they're all trying to transition um, on very few resources. And unfortunately, because it's not mandated, libraries, library science and reading is not uh, mandated the way it should be. We have a lot of library professionals that are being surplused into the classroom. Yeah. So it's actually being run by volunteers sometimes if your library opens. Um, and so we really want to look at and look, um, nothing is nothing wrong with having volunteers operate it. But there's a reason why there was a library science person in that room. Their teaching, their profession, what there is about is about identifying resources for mm -hmm. students to make them better in the classroom, yeah. identifying resources for their classroom teachers that make them better at um, instruction. And so we wanted to make sure we could have uh, an event that spotlights them, and we do. We spotlight our school libraries, especially the ones we got a great ones like West Lab that's brand new. That's an amazing, um, uh, it almost looks like a, a books and books at an elementary school. It's just incredible. Oh, nice. It, get, the kids see it and they totally want to go, go in. in. They yeah. to even And even when you tell them there's books, they'll, oh, I totally want to go in. And the media center's there. And then the ones that need help um, where they need a sponsor. But we also, um, we're going to highlight um, an award uh, and we moved our teacher awards to this event on purpose. Every year, the city since 2019 has been recognizing our teachers of the year and rookie teachers of the year at all of our public schools. And so we picked this event specially to present their awards to them because again, we see this event as a resource for them. Come, get books for your classroom library. There's so many teachers. This is how great they are. My library isn't functional at my school. I'm going to build a class li classroom right. library for my students so that they don't miss out. Come, come get some free books for your, your classroom library. Send your students and their families out to get free books and free resources. Because again, they're looking for these things for their students. Oh, I know, you know, things are tough with so-and-so's family. Let me get a collection right. together for them. Come let us help you do that. And then the last thing I'll say is, I gave you that email, special events at um, coralgables.com. Send us an email. Let us know what you need, what, what it is we could do to help support you to be better at what you do. It's in our best interest mm -hmm. to have our teachers and our schools be at their best. So you're not doing a, you're not doing us any favors. You're actually um, helping us do our work better. And the worst we can say is no, we can't do that. Yeah. Um, but know. let us and for us, I know us. What we're going to say is no, we don't do that. But let us put you in touch with somebody who exactly. can help with those issues. You're not alone out there. Um, teachers and families should know that the education process is a community process. That's why our schools are community schools. Um, and they're public schools. It's about all of us working together to make our children successful. Yeah. Um, to touch upon the library uh, idea, I think that's so special 
And I'll tell you why. I remember when I started teaching, and even as a student, I remember the library being like the heart of the school. Everyone getting to school early to hang out in the library and get shushed by Miss Robinson because she didn't want you in there, but it didn't matter, you know, and just it being this hub of like events, somewhat a speaker was coming mm-hmm. and you knew it was going to be in the library. It was just, I have no other way of saying it. It was the heart of the school. No, you're right. And when I started teaching, it was still that way. I saw so many kids get to school early and just hang out in the library, you know, like whatever it was that they were doing. As the years progressed, the library had to transition into becoming a testing center. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, the library's off limits. Mm -hmm. No one can go in there. And at first, we were like, you know, it is what it is. We're just... Our hands are tied. There's Mm. nothing we can do. But then you started to see the repercussions. Now, all these kids getting to school on time are no longer doing something productive. Mm -hmm. They're hanging out in the hallway, Mm -hmm. bored, wreaking Mm -hmm. all sorts of havoc. Mm -hmm. And you don't have a library anymore. So the fact that you guys are providing a solution for that. Um, I think it's so special. Well, thank you. Uh, and, and look, again, what we, and we tell this to our school partners all the time. I'm Mari Teddy Rojas, our school board member, who's so wonderful. Our job is to be there to help where we can. We can't teach because that's not our skill. Um, we can't uh, We can't provide a whole bunch of resources because, frankly, we're two separate government entities. But where on the margins we can help you do better and be better. It's in our best interest. Um, look, I remember exactly what you're saying. Um, and there are some schools where it's still true. I, I know I visited Ponce um, Middle School, which recently got their uh, live, their media center totally renovated. And it is the hub. It's where yeah. everybody shows up early. And look, for a lot of those kids, um, you, they wouldn't they wouldn't show up early uh, for anything otherwise. They, those are the kids who would usually be showing up late or miss right. a day of school. Um, it's where you learned about clubs that might and extracurriculars that you can do around school. It's where there were computers. A lot of these kids right. don't have the technology at home. Some of them needed to do their homework in the morning before yeah. school because they don't have it, the technology at home. So these places are critical, just like they're critical in our community. Imagine if Books and Books closed Ooh. in Coral Gate. <laughs> I know. Don't, it's never going to happen. Mitch, if you Ooh. hear this, Mitch, it's never going to happen. That would be it. <laughs> A sad but, day in my life. <laughs> you and a lot of and people. Because I, you go there throughout the day, whether it's sitting at the cafe, having a few drinks, um, and, and Even our reading dog the newspaper. Loves going to <laughs> we'll walk by and he'll like try to get us in there. Well, they got that wonderful free water bowls right there. Everyone no, it's loves it's it. engaging. Yeah, and, and everybody has something to do, no matter the age group. Um, and it ties you to community. You know, um, I work in the museum field and we, we like to think of ourselves as the new town square or the new town center. You know, and the old city models, you would always have a, squ- a square or a city center 
where folks could go, and especially in the old um, uh, Roman models, it's where you went to get news. Right. And actually, you'd have somebody standing on their soapbox reading the news of the day to you. Um, and we've kind of lost those in that cities have and suburbs have all kind of meld together. But um, I see that the, for the school system, that library media center was that's the yeah. school center. That's where you go to for, yeah, to catch up on what's going on, even before the office, school office itself. And what was interesting, a lot of the kids that were going in there weren't really the big readers. No. They were the kids that really didn't really care about books. Nope. But yet they were walking in there and they were, whether they picked up a book or not, they were being exposed. And maybe they wouldn't grab a book the first day, not the third, not even like, a month into school, but eventually, they, that's eventually, where that library they would. That's right, because you know? there's no way you're coming. You remember you got shushed. Then, then the next thing was, <laughs> isn't there something that you need to get done? Or I know, and this is what I love about library professionals. I noticed you have an interest. Oh, you love video games. Do you know that we have actually a manual on how you code, learn coding, so that you could design your own game. It was such a successful model, again, looking at it for us at, uh, my daughter attends Coral Gables Preparatory Academy or Coral Gables Elementary. And um, what one of the, it's a readers or leader school. And one of the things I loved about their librarian was that she had them so into not only the space, but the resources that you would literally start from the front of the school all the way through all the hallways before the bell would ring, you'd have kids sitting all along the walls with either their readers, their e-readers reading books or a physical book in their hand reading. And I remember, you know, you'd get new parents that would come in and be like, do you, you guys stage this? Is Because <laughs> this is just too amazing that these kids are, and they would, they'd be so focused on their books they would not be talking to one another or with you as a parent. You'd just be standing there. And so you'd see parents bring their own book. And it's yeah. like, I got some time while and I'm waiting. And all of a sudden, everybody's, everybody's reading. reading together. Yeah. It's calm. It's quiet. The principal loves it because it is. It's the best day to walk guests around. Of course, your child will love being here. Look at cu the culture we've built. Um that's what we want to build at all of our schools. And every child deserves to have that. Um, that's the what's in it for them. That's the exactly. thing that keeps them wanting to come back to that place every day and learn more and want to do better. Yeah. I Hopefully, with this model that you've created and, and everyone that works with you, we start getting that ball rolling once again. Well, look. To bring back... It's about people. It's, it's yeah. about people getting to work. We're working with the PTSAs. Um, we work with the school board member, work with individual families, and then at the grassroots. If everybody's speaking the same language, right. at some point, folks will go, yeah, this is the way. This is, this is what gets us. And as I've told uh, you know, our school board member and other folks, again, this model, if it works for us, I hope we spread it around because other communities need it. Um, but yeah, we, we really do. We want to make sure that the folks who live in the city beautiful understand that we believe in literacy. We believe, um, and, and learning. 
uh, and in lifelong learning and whatever we can do to help promote those efforts um, as a municipality, we're out there to do. It's the backbone of everything. It really is. Even, you know, now that we're so into STEM, you know, in, in the sciences, you cannot do math and science if you can't read. Nope. Nope, you know? it is it is the basic. Yeah. Um, and so no, we we have to address this issue and get the stats better um, for our not just for our kids, but for our society. Period. Right. If we are to continue into a twenty second and twenty third century of success, we need to be building um, learners right now. Kid, kids who have a lifelong love of learning and wanting to always again learn more to do more right what's one piece of advice one tip you can give parents something simple that they can do today if they're listening to us um you know on their drive home or whatever what can they do that can get that ball rolling that can create that next level of interest in their own home no, I, I I hear you because you you need it. <laughs> and actually, becoming a parent is when I learned so much that yeah, <laughs> parenting advice. Because as soon as you mentioned it, people go, "Oh yeah, no, I that happened to me too." Well, if it happened to you, let's share so yeah. it doesn't have to happen <laughs> to everyone. First thing I would say is read, read to read yourself, model the behavior, and let and be very obvious about showing your child um that you you're taking the time out to do that and i know it's really difficult um uh look uh as i as we tell our daughter all the time we do a lot of reading every day my wife and i but it's for work it's not it's reading not for same. leisure or fun and it's not and so they need to see you um having that leisure fun reading time and if you can do it together like we did um, with the audiobook. Um, I have a bit of dyslexia, and so I, I do uh, audiobooks. And, um, and it was great. It was great for us to share that way together. Plus, listening to Jane Goodall um, help you be hopeful. There was no more soothing voice in the world that I needed to hear and that my daughter could appreciate. And so I was now a next generation can appreciate Miss um, Goodall as much as I do. So model the behavior and then read to them. Re start reading to them in the womb, literally, if you can do it. Put some headphones on that belly. Let an audio book go through. Read a book to your partner. Uh, and I, seriously, it builds that model. They don't even know why. And our daughter literally was. The minute she came out, she was flipping through books, with you know, picture books. She was reading early. And we knew that had come from building yeah. that. Um, and, 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 and I think if you do those two things, it's not going to be the end-all, be-all. There's still going to be those outside influences. There's still AR and other things. But it will at least build that base that you can go back to to say to your child, look, the only reason I've gotten to where I've gotten mm. is because of my ability to read and and even sharing some of the documents and things that we have to read. And yeah, it's boring reading, but you have to have the aptitude to be able to take in this material. And for me, I, as an educator, I'm usually creating programming. And so writing, you know, things for other people that are can be <laughs> literate for other folks, that's how you build success. And so always showing them that uh look this it's the only way there's no way around it 
<laughs> if there was another way There's around. There's no it. easy fix. No, no. Just Everything have to in life get comes in there with in work. The trenches exactly. With them and, but then know. once you build the practices, and as I, because my daughter's having some math issues um, lately, and as I tell her, it's like science. Once you learn the the rules mm -hmm. and the basics, it gets easier. But trying to skip ahead. And that's our big thing is, you know, you feel you should, I should the be smart shortcuts. enough to learn it. Yeah, <laughs> whatever the, short, the shortcuts just don't work. Not, and yeah. so you do, you have to learn the basics and then you can build shortcuts later on because you've been, you're so smart. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's but you say? have to have the basics. You have to know the box first exactly. before you can start stepping out of it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. That's, um. Yeah, that was a big thing in, in my classroom because for English and essay writing, right? Like, it's like, Get through why it do quickly? I have to plan? Uh -huh. It's like, well, I mean. I already know what I want to say. You got you gotta, you gotta to build your box, <laughs> exactly. you know? Let's build the box. And, and what's in it for me? I, I want to read something that is actually interesting as a teacher. Because yeah. that's the other thing is uh, I, I, would, I, I would remind teachers, tell them that. I got to read all this stuff, guys. Make them <laughs> read you each other's work exactly. so they can see how Make bad it, interesting it is. for me. <laughs> exactly. So what has been the most rewarding experience you've had so far through the festival and its creation? Uh, for me, it was actually being at the inaugural event. Um, look, when you... When you spend that long planning something, it's not that I didn't know that it would happen. Um, I, I don't live my life any other way than putting in the work to know, make the assurances that I needed right. to. I knew the city would eventually do it, 10 years, 20 years, whatever. But to actually see it come to fruition and then and the circumstances that we had it, um, you know, coming right at the end of uh, major COVID restrictions. Mm -hmm. And we were just getting back out into yeah. events. We weren't sure who was going to show up, if anyone at all. Um, as I remember the day we sat um, as a group and folks were like, well, we get a couple hundred people. We're going to consider this a big success. Okay. And convincing ourselves. <clears throat> and so to be there that day, and to see this crush of people, um, and actually the thing that threw it over the top was uh, one of, because we work, it's a lot of different people. Uh, as I told uh, uh, the group at the end of last year, literally we have a mailing list of over a hundred different people um, who were stakeholders in making last year happen. So it's not just one That's person. A hundred yeah. different people. It's a team uh, effort. Organizations, <laughs> it's a total team effort. Um, but one of those team members who, and she was around uh, uh, at the beginning of the planning of this also, came to me. And I remember her walking down the street fair and she's like, Sam, what did you do? <laughs> what did you do? Look at this. And I hadn't stopped, you know, because I was saying hello to people. And, other, and, she's, and she stopped me and she said, no, stop. Take it Thank in. you. You have to look at this. She's like, this is amazing. She's like, I remember us talking about it, but I this is even more than I had than what we talked about. You have to stop for a second and see. And it was it was overwhelming because all, all of a sudden you stop and you think, oh, that's what all those eight and 12 pages and seven years of work that. And it was amazing. Yeah. And just seeing people enjoy themselves, the event doing what it was supposed to do. Um, it, it was great. And to think yeah. that we're only going to get bigger. Cause as I told her, 
I'm already seeing five years down the line. Mm -hmm. I'm already seeing, you know, the two day, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, City of Coral Gables. The two-day event where, you know, one day is for schools and the other is for the public. Um, I'm seeing that greater growth. Um, and actually, it was somebody who said this to me the other day, um, said, look, Sam. Uh, oh, it's somebody at the city and I was meeting with said, Sam, I, I was around when uh, the Calle Ocho was first announced. And I, I worked with the founders. I remember being in that room. And saying, be careful what you wish for because <laughs> you never know what you might get. And I said, I remember saying, whoa, 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 whoa. I turned this over to the city right after that first day. So, no, that would be the city that will. Um, but if we ever get to that level, that would be fantastic. My greater hope would be is that we get to a place where no kids are not reading at grade level. And we think to ourselves, you know what? Let's just have a fun book fair event. Right. But we did it. Yeah. We did the job. Yeah. And um, that's what I look forward to. That's right. when I'll know we really made it. Um, but no, I it, there's nothing better than seeing, uh, you know, something that you worked that hard on come to fruition and, and people enjoying it and engaging with it and it doing what it's supposed to do. Uh, it was like the day I sat with those kids. Yeah. I, I knew. I knew exactly. where, where I was supposed to be and what I was supposed to be doing. You know, I believe in, in divine timing, as they say, <laughs> because you said it, this took seven years. And it, I'm sure it would have been just as much of a success if it had happened before. But how crucial that it happened right after we experienced COVID. And everyone was so you know, out of sorts mm -hmm. in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And here you were able to bring people out of their homes, give them a beautiful day outside and bring them back to something that can benefit them in so many different ways. I, I think it's just magical what you did. Amen. Look, um, it, I, my, I'm a preacher's kid and uh, my mom always says everything happens for a reason. And I'm a believer in it mm -hmm. also. Everything happens yeah, for a reason. For sure. Um, and for sure, it, seven years ago, it probably would have been um, maybe even more successful in terms of numbers of people right. to show up. Um, but we needed it at that time. And I remember when we, because we had originally planned for 2019 to, to do a pilot of it. And it, the time ran too late. And I remember sitting with the folks at the Parks Department and I'm like, look, we're going to have to postpone a year. Um, and, and this was in March of 2019. And so, so a year, no big deal. Who knew we were going to, you know, a year later be in lockdown. And I remember meeting with them and saying, do we think this is even going to happen? And they're like, no, look, no, we're not going to cancel. Let's let it's May. Let's see if we can ride it out. And it and it's just seemed like everything was working in our favor because, you know, the it, we got peaks and then all of a sudden it started coming down COVID. And, and we then, thought it was okay. And then we thought, <laughs> oh, and then we said oh, limited events because I remember we were at no events by March of mm -hmm. 2020 um, with nothing over 10 people. And then by April, we're like, well, maybe you can have events with 10, 15 people inside. But outdoor events, no more than a, a couple hundred. And then 
subtly start, things started going down to where we could have an outdoor event with safety precautions. And you're right. People were desperate to get yeah. out and, and, and get out and in a safe to do together. environment yeah. where they knew they and their kids would be safe and they had fun and engaging things to do. Food trucks, petting zoos, you know, author readings, climbing walls, buying books. I mean, everything you could do to to feel human again, um, they got to do. And I, I'm so happy that we provided them that venue. And look, this year, it looks like, you know, we're going to be um, even, even better in that we'll have probably twice the amount of booths. Um, we're still going to have some some distancing out there. You know, we're not out of this whole thing yet. I was just um, meeting with the city to find out about limited indoor activities. Um, we'll, we're going to be piloting a new international village concept um, where we'll have our schools um, that do international education, our kids performing and our consulates and our sister cities doing exhibits and displays, um, author readings. So we're, it's going to be, uh, again, provide another venue for folks to get out to uh, a special event where you can feel comfortable. It will be safe. Um, and again, feel human and normal, yeah. like we're getting to some kind of normalcy. Um, come out, meet the school board member. Um, learn about what we've got going on in terms of if your child needs some help and support to get them back up to speed. We're going to have some evaluators out there who can help you find out where your child uh, at their le reading level is and offer resources. Just a great afternoon exactly. for you and the family. Yeah, and get involved because there's no sure way of making sure your child succeeds then you just jump in in there with definitely the, their teacher and their community members definitely um, because the more support they get the better exactly yeah. well and and it's important for them to see that you also uh recommend and are with their with their teacher backing up that yeah. teacher to assure their success um so no i get involved and, and plus, we're going to have at the festival, as I said, we'll have books and books and a lot of other vendors. There's going to be plenty of reading material out there and other media for adults. Anything that tickles your fancy. I'm actually talking to um, the History Miami Museum. We have some uh, some talks coming in, some new books that are out there and maybe some potential authors who will come and present their work. Um, so, no, it come on out. And so bring exciting. 10 friends with you. Yeah. And they don't need tickets or anything like it that. It is just, absolutely just free. Just show up. Um, the It's 11 to 4 is the hours right now. More information will be coming out actually this week. Our event materials, uh, the vendor apps. By the way, if anybody is in the industry, if you... Um, have a program that works with literacy. If you're a publisher out there or um, own a bookstore uh, or just love books and want to buy, sell, or trade books, um, visit our website, uh, coralgables.com slash, um, uh, actually just Google Gables Family Lit Fest. Mm -hmm. um, Gables Family Lit Fest and you'll get, it'll bring you up to our page and again, that special events at coralgables.com. Email, send us info there, and we'll get you a vendor app out to you. Um, 
we really want to plug in to any of those resources that are out there that are available for our families around literacy and specifically family literacy. So if you want to even um, send us some referrals or recommendations, we love those also. Um, Saturday, May 28th, um, 11 to 4 at the War War Memorial Youth Center, Coral Gables. Um, And I should have the address, but of course, it's just... (laughs) came out of my mind. But again, Google Gables Family Lit Fest. And actually, you can also follow our hashtag, hashtag Gables Family Lit Fest. Um, and we we love to see everybody out. Yeah, And you don't need to be a Gables resident. You do absolutely do not need yeah. to be a Gables resident. Um, again, I told you, we're all facing this issue and everybody needs the help. So come on out. And as I said, you come out, invite 10 friends with you. And we'll we'll accommodate them also. That's amazing. I'm so excited. Uh, we can't we can't wait. Make sure you stop by the Miami Lit Podcast. Booth. Yes, please do. Um, we'll be having fun. We're there. looking forward to you guys being out and um, hopefully broadcasting live from the yes. event. Um, we're also going to have some some viewings of some videos where, where we hope to share some of your artists and other folks um, who you've had on the program with you. Uh, at the event, um, it's really just going to be a really great day of family fun. I think it's going to be beyond their expectations. <laughs> Whoever hasn't visited yet, like myself, we're in for for a treat. You absolutely are. And actually, yeah. if folks would like to see, because um, I know the city had some great footage of the inaugural event, um, and also our friends over at Choice MD. Um, if you visit the uh, city's social media pages and outlets, uh, Facebook, Instagram, you'll see some videos from last year. So it'll get you a little acclimated on the, the climate, but uh, you will love it. If, if For folks who don't live in Coral Gables, we do events like no other municipality um, in Florida, and we have the best people and our community recreation department putting on these events, we really make sure to provide the fun, the safety, um, and just a great um, environment for families. So come on out. Absolutely. And enjoy the city beautiful. Uh, I have a couple questions for you about sure. your uh, experience as a Miamian. Tell, tell us, what do you think about this city and everything <laughs> you've seen it go through? You got it. Um, I, look, I, have, uh, I was born in Brooklyn. But I've lived most of my life, almost all of it, here in Miami, um, specifically in Miami, but in South Florida in general. What I and I've lived, had the fortune, good fortune to live in a couple of different places, a few different places, um, and I always long for coming back here. Living here, you're always frustrated living here because <laughs> it's not an easy place to live. It, it no. really isn't. Um, what's great about it is also what's difficult about it. What's great about Miami is there is no living soul or animal on the planet that hasn't made a foothold here in Miami at some point. We are the gateway yes. to not the, just the Caribbean, but the world. Everyone either has been here or they're dreaming of coming here. When I lived in Michigan, people would look at me as though I was like <laughs> a Martian. Wow, you're from Miami and you moved to Michigan? 
why? <laughs> we all, everyone in Michigan, and we, the story in Brooklyn is everyone in Brooklyn and everyone who lives in New York City, once they get to a certain age, know they're moving to Florida. Yeah. And most of them want to come to Miami because Miami is very different from Florida. What makes us great is we do. We see everything and everyone. The term multiculture is real here. We know it. We live it. We breathe it every day. But we also know the negatives of it also. Yes, everyone and their cousin is here, but we don't always all get along the way we no. should. Um, and get on with each other the way we should. Um, I, I remember saying this in the 80s when I lived um, in Pennsylvania and, and lived in, um, in Michigan. Miami was then at the time the test kitchen for what the rest of the country will look like eventually by 2050. Um there is not going to be a city in this country that is not going to have lots of different people from lots of different cultures living in it. Um, and so I was hoping we could be a good teacher in how to do that right by having folks mix and meld together and live together um, comfortably and, and um, building on community or democracy and, and working to build one another. That's not always what happens here. Um, no, it, again, it's a tough place. It's yeah. a tough place. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog place. Um, it's an expensive place to live. And so folks can become very, it's about me and making mm -hmm. sure me and the pocket of people who I know succeed and move on um, and can be selfish. And, and unfortunately can not live up to the best of the ideals of who we are you know this uh that all men are created equal um but that being said i wouldn't want to live anywhere else i i leave here and i i can't get a jamaican patty mm -hmm. anywhere anywhere better than here other than jamaica obviously <laughs> um but second to no, only to jamaica i can't get a cafecito a decent cafecito right. anywhere else other than Cuba, um, I can't get, you know, sospois, <laughs> uh, you know, and Haitian foods any better anywhere else outside of Haiti. It's not a bad place to live. Yeah. If we could be, I wish we could be a better model at showing people how to do the the cultural melting pot right. Mm -hmm. And we will. I, I, I have faith. The younger folks, my daughter and those folks, and when I go into the schools, it gives me hope. Because they don't, it's they don't put up with a lot of that stuff in their daily lives. They let the adults deal in our craziness and whatever, and they just figure it out, you know. Right. <laughs> and I hope will they'll grow up into adults who will figure it out a little better than we did. I think so. I think they already have the formula yeah. down by being so much younger and mm -hmm. just. Their their aptitude for things is so different than well, and different the older is generations. the norm. You know, yeah. the, when for uh, and I see it even for my daughter who has you know uh, an American Haitian dad and a you know a, a an Italian American mother and trying to what mix a all the, I know and trying to mix all That's those so cultures exciting. and and things together and 
but that's who she is. Mm -hmm. And so different is the norm. Um, and so not being different, and that's, I think, where we're learning is the status quo now is, is tough because uh, where do you fit if different is the norm? And so we'll find a way to to work it with the status quo folks where you can Definitely. get a place again. Well, um, I always ask a guest to tell us their favorite book and to recommend us a book. I know you talked about uh, Jane Goodall's Book of Hope, but do you have another one that you can share with us? Look, the uh, this and this one I, I actually suggested to my daughter, um, and she even she wondered what the Lord of the Flies. Is he? Oh no! I, I was going to say, is it here? No, it's no, home. it's not here. I, I have it um, at home. I, I that was that the first book that got me into books, and I remember being in school and it, and um and having to read it was mandatory because we had to do a report on it. And just thinking, oh my God, really? We got to read book. But I loved Lord of Flies. And and look, obviously, I was a middle school um, boy, um, and it talked a lot about violence and mm -hmm. boys. Vi but what I loved about it um, was, for me, it was this great teacher about human nature. Look, I told you I'm a preacher's kid. And so um, I, I was born seeing the good in people pretty early in my life. Because that's that was the job. You you, you have to be good um, for religion, but uh, not that we didn't know that there were bad things out there and people do bad things in the world. Um, but Lord of the Flies taught me about human nature and good and bad, um, and the repercussions of it. And, and and it and it was it was an exciting read. It made sense for me at the time, and I, I thought, wow. And I. I was the person at those days who would tell you, because I know there was a movie I, about it, that I would rather have seen the film. Why yeah, would you read I'll the book? Yeah, I'll watch the movie. I'll watch the movie and I'll know everything that happens. And thank God I read the book because <laughs> I, the, the movie was nowhere near as close as good. I've never seen the movie. The, see, people didn't even know there was one. It was I've not that really great. It. it wasn't that really well done. Um, uh, but no, the book was amazing. And just to be able, and remember, I, I told you, again, I was a preacher's kid, so I, I read the Bible a lot, but there were a lot of things that we weren't allowed to read because mm, they were worldly books. So being able, that was my secret guilty pleasure. Got to read it for school. Yeah. I don't even want to, but they're forcing <laughs> me. Um, and, and, and I got to read, yeah, a book that I probably wouldn't have been able to read or wouldn't have been suggested by yeah. my family to read. It's a heavy book. Very heavy book. It's um um and and adult themes at that mm -hmm. time. I mean, even for where I was, um. But look, I I got the book because of the the situation and circumstances I was living in. I was living in unincorporated Dade in the ghetto. I got why these boys did what they did. Yeah. Do what they do because I saw it every day. Mm. That's interesting. We were living the Lord of the... That was the other thing about the book that was so yeah. interesting to me was that I saw the parallel in being right. poor growing up in the inner city and that, yeah. You were able to see the universal theme. Yeah. And how it was playing out in your life yeah. in real time. Yeah. It's like the first time I saw... If that's um, not the power of literature, I don't there's know not, what no, is. There, there is. <laughs> that's why... There's so much lost talent yeah. in our inner cities and poor areas 
where if these kids could find that connection, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, it's not just me. No. I'm not just living this alone. There's ways out. There's right. a reason why I do what I do. And it's not just you now. It's been like this 200 years ago. Three, yes. A thousand years ago, people have been writing about this. And a Romeo thousand years and from now, people will write about <laughs> exactly. this. Romeo and Juliet. It's- First time I saw West Side Story. First movie I ever saw was West Side Story with my sister because I had to go out with her on her date because she couldn't <laughs> go out on a date alone. Um, so she had to take her little brother. Drive-in movie. I'm watching West Side Story. Again, I got it. Gangs. Yeah, love story. Yeah, that girl you had a crush on. And and then we're so uh, different, but yet we're... We're also so alike. Here you have mm-hmm. two different groups, both living in the ghetto, both having hard times, but yet they're fighting one another and not trying to find a way to get out. Parallels to real life, that if people didn't look like me, right. but what they were going through, I got. It's the same. I got we it. We all go through the same I got things. it. Yeah. No, I, that that is the power of books. That's the power of the arts. That's the yeah. power of culture. That's the power of history. Exactly. Knowing where you came from, knowing where you, that's how you get to where you're going. Yeah. Um, it's why I love education. To think that the fourth grader who thought to himself, all I needed to know I could have learned by fourth grade. Why am I, <laughs> why am I here that I've spent now? It's irony that I'm spending the rest of my life learning in school. Yeah. And I'm enjoying it. That's a... Uh, that's amazing. It is amazing. That's full circle. Full circle. That's Drives my daughter circle. crazy. She's like, ah, every not everything has to be related. It doesn't have to be so deep. But that's oh, she'll uh, find out it is. <laughs> that's Give her time. That's Give what I Give her time. Her. Just wait. <laughs> that's yeah. It's true. We all do. We all figure it out eventually. Everything's related. It's all related. Yeah. But um, thank you so much for being here and for sharing. It I, was an absolute pleasure. This was, uh, I was imagining this was going to be a lot tougher. I'm like, I hope we'll have enough to talk about. (laughs) No, thank you. And let me say again, Jenny, it's been an absolute pleasure to meet you and to be introduced to the work that you're doing with Miami Lit Podcast. Um, It it was meant to be. I don't know how you weren't there last year, but we're going to, we'll make sure you're there this year. Um, And we appreciate you putting out the word. Um, on this effort um, and we hope folks will follow through not just with us but also with folks like you to look at how they can support the good work that you're doing because we can't do it alone our teachers can't do it alone our families can't do it alone this is a total team effort in order for us to succeed and we appreciate having you on the team thank you so much i like i told you earlier it's a dream come true and and i do feel like it was meant to be yeah, because this was also in the making for about seven years. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's interesting how it all happens. Well, I tell my daughter, nothing good comes without a lot of work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and look, it, and you're going to have to put some, uh, some effort. And maybe sometimes <laughs> if you're, you'll be, actually, I won't say unsuccessful because sometimes it's just delays. Seven right. years, take seven years. But if it's right, if you have good intentions and you want to do good, eventually you will meet success. But you got to put the effort and the time into it. Um, Stuff doesn't just materialize. 
That's not the way it works in real life. <laughs> Definitely. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening or watching or both. both. Or both. <laughs> thank you so much for spending time with us. Make sure to check out the links that Sam spoke about that we'll have down below. Check out the books Sam suggested. And most of all, come out to the festival. And it come say hi. Yeah. Definitely. Come Definitely. Say, we'll be there. Many other amazing people will be there. Uh, just, uh, you know, come come to the booth. Don't be shy. Say hi and um, make sure that we, we connect. I love meeting people. Definitely. Same here. Look forward to seeing you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. Thank you.